Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, people? We are back with Believe in Rutgers. A lot of interesting topics today in the world of college football as well as the state of Rutgers. Ryan, what is going on, my friend? Alex, great to talk to you again. I know we haven't really released a podcast in a couple weeks, but as most people know, the biggest news of the year, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 canceled their fall sports, most notably football. And even though that we talked about this in multiple podcasts, it really sucks to hear but, you know, it was almost like when they would cancel as opposed to if they would cancel. Yeah, absolutely. And our thoughts and prayers go out to all the people with anxiety and, you know, uh, fear of what's to come in the future. Ryan, there was a lot leading up to this, however. There was a lot of conversations about how they were going to do this and play at all. There seems to have been a lack of leadership from the top down in terms of the NCAA, to the players, to the teams, to the conferences. Um, But nothing we can really do about that right now. Um, It seems to be we are in in unprecedented times. Truly unprecedented. This has never happened before. I don't think it ever will happen happen again for the most part. I mean, we never know, but this is truly an unprecedented situation. But leading up to this, up to, up to this, um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, Rutgers coronavirus cases on the team rose to 30. There was an off-campus party. Um, there was the whole We Are United campaign that was led by the Pac-12 players that the Big Ten players signed that basically gave, you know, football players rights, like, you know, um, you know, you know, testing every day that they wanted to sign in order to play. We'll get back to that. Uh, there was rumors of cancellation of the Big Ten and Pac-12 were going on for a week. That was probably going to happen. Um, then it was canceled last Tuesday, and then this week, Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, wrote this petition called We Want to Play Petition and got all these signatures to, you know, to let you know, student-athletes in the Big Ten play football. There's also been a lot of parents between Iowa and Ohio State writing letters to the Big Ten saying they want to play. And you know, this whole situation isn't going away anytime soon, and just a whole you know, dumpster fire of events really going on. We'll be right back with today's Believe in Rutgers, but first a word from our friends at Bet Online. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. I used Bet Online to pick the Lakers against the Blazers in game one, but didn't realize it was still Dame time. So take full advantage of sports being back and get on the extras with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to the show. Going back to Rutgers with the off-campus party, I mean, you know, 18 to 23, 24-year-olds, depending on red shirts and all that stuff, you know, kids that age, I mean, listen, you bring them back to campus, they don't know what they don't know. So they're going to be partying. It's, it's, are they doing it responsibly? Um, you know, I think even if players are doing it responsibly, you know, they, they have more at stake. They have more incentive. Regular students do not. Right. So let's say five football players go to a party. Well, there's, you know, 
maybe 15 to 20 other people there who aren't um, student athletes. So they're kind of going to live their life, you know, full send. Um, so we can't really blame, blame them for it, but it's kind of the reality of the situation. And I think it's going to be a lot harder to get these players for the teams that are going to play um, to buy in because you see it in the NFL. Guys are getting cut for, you know, trying to bring girls into the training camp hotels and people are, you know, people are getting quarantined because they're going to get wings in the NBA. You know, it's, it's a lot of mental health stuff in addition to um, having to make those sacrifices. Uh, shout out to Lou Williams, you know, best wings, you know, in Atlanta, but um, anyway, <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I just think, but here's my thing is that if I think that Rutgers, I think this was a really stupid decision by some of the players, but when we were that age and we were in college, I think we would have done this exact same thing. You know? Oh yeah, dude, bro. I think we would have been 10 times worse <laughs> knowing the yeah. guys on our team. Oh my God. Yeah, it's one, it's one of those things where, you know, everybody can, you know, can like scream and shout, but everybody's in that situation. There's going to be acting, acting stupid and things like that. But Ryan, if I was in college right now, I probably had a Corona like four times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would be, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd probably test positive till 2022. It's one of those things that is just really hard to regulate. Like these kids are adults now and they got to make adult like decisions. But going back to the professional athletes, only a couple people have really left the bubbles, right? If you really want to play a sport, you're going to do everything in your power to be safe. And that's why you see, you know, the NBA, NBA really doing a great job of containing the virus. Uh, the NHL is doing a really good job. Um, that's because they're contained in a bubble. Right. But if you look at the MLB, it's a little bit harder because all these players, you don't know what they're doing in between the stadium and going home. They're not in a self-contained bubble. So it's really hard to monitor what they're doing. Um, it's just a really hard situation right now just to, you know, just to see what's going on and like what, who, who's doing well and like all the different circumstances. Right. And I think we've talked about this before, you know, to bubble college football and college sports in general it's going to take a lot of money and a lot of resources. And you see teams in the one double a level and at the Mac level, they just, for the most part, don't have those resources. And to be honest, like a lot of these one, a FBS power fives don't have the resources. So I think, and when you talk about bubbling college football, there's number one, you can't do it because these kids like, aren't gonna like do it. Right. And then there's the can we do it and not go bankrupt, right? I don't I don't think that's possible. I don't I don't think it is is either. Every school has a really different financial situation. Some of these schools, you know, like the big SEC schools, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, they'll make money from they'll make money. Um, you know, all these are extremely profitable profitable just because all the attention they get. But all these smaller schools like the Mac just canceled, so Miami, Ohio, and Toledo. I don't, they don't have the resources. They don't have the TV deals that these other programs do. So they can't re if they don't really have that revenue, it's just, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not great for them. And they don't really, they can't really, you know, do all the things that those power five teams can do to make sure that all their student athletes are safe. Well, the second the power five went to conference only schedule, you had to think that it was not good for the group of fives and the FCS because those programs operate, on that money that they get from the FBS for the most part. Mm -hmm. They could, I mean, yeah, that, that's all their money. They basically run their entire sports, you know, sports programs just from that football season. They fund basically every other sport. So it just, it, this whole situation just really, really sucks to see. Um, 
but I think it's really, really encouraging. I think it's, I think it's surprising a lot of people. It's not surprising me that a lot of these players still want to play. That's not really surprising me, but you know, as there's been reports, it just seems like all these, you know, sports writers and a lot of the media just doesn't think that these players should play, but clearly that's not the case. Right. And listen, if, if they play, they should play safely. I'm for them playing. I just don't know if it can be done safely, right? We're done. We, I am for pl- these players playing, but in a safe environment. And I don't know if that's possible. And when you look at the teams that really are pushing to play, the conferences that are really pushing to play, like, I'm not trying to be like pessimistic. That's usually your role on this show, right? <laughs> yeah, negative right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, listen, their credibility, just from looking at the states that they're located in, like no offense to Clemson, but South Carolina has been a hotspot like for the last couple of months for this virus. Like people are going to South Carolina, coming back and infecting their towns. Like I'm not trying to say that they don't have credibility, but it's really hard for me to listen to, you know, South Carolina officials, Clemson officials, like we want to play. No offense to Nick Saban. Like it's really hard for me to be like, yeah, you're right. You guys should play. Your state is only one of the worst states and your students are allegedly having COVID parties. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think that one of the leading, con- leading contributors to the Big Ten canceling the season is that a lot of these teams found out that COVID is linked to this heart, heart issue called myocarditis, which is found in flu and common cold. It's a symptom which basically leads to the swelling of the heart. So during high-intensity training, you know, these student-athletes – if they have the condition myocarditis could potentially have cardiac arrest. And I think that's another thing that, you know, it's the well-being of the student athlete. And, you know, if anything happened to them, it would be an extreme travesty because, you know, everybody would be like, they shouldn't have played due to COVID-19. I think it's just a little weird. Um, the big 10 commissioner, Kevin Warren has a son powers Warren. He is playing at Mississippi state right now. And he has not commented on whether it's his opinion for let his son play. But as of right now, his son powers Warren is playing. Right. And I think, I think the big issue is we don't know the long-term implications of this virus. Cause it's like, okay, like yeah, 18 to 22, 23 year olds, it doesn't affect that, that much. They're all asymptomatic, but they're 18 right now. But when they're 28, will it affect them? When they're 38, will it affect them? When they're 68, will it affect them? Will it affect people in their families? Like it's so new, we just don't know. And that's the scary part. So I think, yeah, the Big Ten's a little cautious, but I kind of understand what they're thinking. And the Pac-12, a little cautious as well. I totally get it. And let's be honest, we, this is these two conferences, I know there's great academic institutions in the Big 12, SEC, ACC, but the Pac-12 and Big 10 are the, and I would say, in my opinion, are the two most academically driven conferences out of the Power Five. Now, listen, there's great institutions in the ACC like Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, but when you look from top to bottom, yeah, Wake Forest as well, shout out Jay Cunningham. Um, <laughs> but... I would say that as a whole, you know, these two really prioritize their academics and the Ivy League set the precedent. And we talked about that trickle up effect. Yep. They really did set the precedent. I just, I just feel awful for all the student athletes right now. Um, 
I know that Trevor Lawrence had a couple tweaks tweets a week ago just saying how student athletes would be safer if they're on campus, which I personally agree with. I know that Rutgers in Rutgers, typical Rutgers fashion did not show that that could happen. But in a school like Clemson, um, Trevor basically tweeted about being like, you know, a lot of these kids that come from that come to Clemson when they go home are not in the best situations, right? I think obviously some of them are good situations, but a lot of them are not in the best situations. They're not going to be as careful. But if they're at school, they're going to be in an environment where they have to be careful if they want to play football, doing a sport that they love and they clearly want to play. Um, I know that Justin Fields created the We Want to Play petition to allow all these, you know, current athletes to play. And I think there's almost 300,000 signatures. It's only been out for two days right now. I think it just shows that all these athletes, they want to play and they want to be safe. And I think that letting them play college football, even though that there are potential side effects, right? If somebody gets it, all these players are, you know, right near each other. It could spread like wildfire. But I just think personally that it's a really hard decision and I understand where they see that if they are at campus, they would be potentially safer than if they're back home. Yeah. hundred percent. They'd be safer on campus, but nobody said just because you don't have a season, you have to go home, right? Like as long as the school continues to pay your housing check, you're good. Like I would but, imagine. But that, but that, that doesn't do. guarantee, but that doesn't guarantee that they're going to necessarily have COVID tests every single day. What Trevor was trying to say is that if they play every single day, if they practice every single day, I know that's part of the We Are United thing, that they will probably have testing every single day to see where they're at. They will have to maintain guidelines. They'll have to mandatory masks or they won't be able to practice. Based off of hearing Greg Schiano speak last week, it sounds like they're going to give the guys some time off and then they're going to bring them back to do some training, some lifting, some practicing. So I find it very hard to believe that they're just going to let these guys go home. Now, I'm all for playing safely, like I've said it many times, but I kind of have a problem with this whole petition thing because I think there's a lot of kids who are probably signing that petition who literally like weeks ago did the whole we are united thing where it's like you guys aren't taking care of us you guys aren't doing this we want this we want that and absolutely I agree they they should be tested as much as possible they should get this they should get that with COVID I think they should be compensated because you can't ask a kid who is putting himself at risk potentially now and long term and his family to do something and not get compensated for it. NFL players, they're getting paid. So it's a totally different can of worms. I think um, it can't be, you know, one step in, one step out, and then when it goes the other way, you're like, what the hell, right? Well, yeah, I think that also the We Are United thing was a basic classic negotiation one-on-one. Being a good negotiator means that you absolutely ask for absolutely everything, knowing that you're not going to get it at the end because, you know, some, you know, there's going to be somewhere you meet in the middle. I think that, you know, one of them was having, you know, good COVID tests, which they absolutely do. It's another one was making sure that their scholarships are maintained if they decide to opt out of the season, which the NCAA and, you know, Big Ten, all these conferences has said that they will be able to keep their scholarships if they opt out of this season. Well, the Big Ten did that first, and the Big Ten always sets – it seems like whatever's right, it seems like the Big Ten always sets the president. I mean, a couple of years ago, I want to say six or seven years ago, they were the first conference to guarantee scholarships for four years. It used to be you could renew a scholarship every year, and then the Big Ten started to you know shift in terms of becoming the juggernaut it is today and other conferences were like, oh crap, we're like missing out on kids in the recruiting process because of this. Yep. 
I a Big Ten is the lead is a leader in basically ev- in basically everything. Um, everything the Big Ten does seems to do first. Um, but I think that this just shows that a lot of the, I I know I keep saying this, but I think there's a lot of this that the meet a lot of the media that has been going on that covers college football in March. They're basically like, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a college football season. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if there's going to be a college football season. Then to see it be canceled by the, by the PAC 12 and big 10, we're basically like, Hey, I told you so there is no, there's no college football season. And I think that was a le- I think that people were taking too much, um, you know, we're taking, we're, you know, reading too many, too much into the headlines. I think that people didn't really Ryan, get people are dying. Math. Ryan, people are dying from this shit. Okay, they're dying uh, they're dying, but if you look at statistics, 8 15 to 24, there have been 13,000 people in the US that have died from from March to to now. 13,000 people from the age group have died. Guess how many died have died of coronavirus? I understand that there is still that potential that it could die, but guess how many have died for coronavirus? How many? 225, right? That's under or around 1%. So that means that living a normal life is just as dangerous as dying from coronavirus. And clearly that being from the age group 15, 24 is the least likely group. If you look at just pure statistics, an overwhelming majority of people have died from this, have either had, have been old or had other underlying health concerns. One more life is too many, in my opinion, and I think I think it's still horrible. Whoa, I'm not. Whoa, I'm not whoa, one whoa, of those. Whoa. I'm not one of those people who's saying that whoa, still that whoa, people whoa. are dying isn't good. Whoa, hold up here, buddy. In my opinion, where was all this shit prior to the college football season potentially getting canceled and the Big Ten, Pac-12 getting canceled? The media was just saying how it is. Now, listen, a lot of the media scares people, but some people believe that you can change things through fear. I am not one of those people, but you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go out here and say that you know they didn't have a point in doing that because maybe if people actually listened to what they were saying and that this season could get canceled, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. I mean, dude, go on Twitter and look at how many people post like videos of themselves partying at a lake or partying inside with like 50 people side by side, no masks. It's absolute bullshit. You don't follow the rules, you don't get what you want. I mean, I get what you're saying, but are we supposed to live in fear of everything now? Are we supposed to live in a bubble and not do anything? If you look at just if there's a virus, if there's a vaccine that comes out, a lot of people aren't going to take it. I think that you, there's no underlying the underlying health concerns. Five years down the road, people do not know what's going to go on. I'm obviously 225 people dying from 15, eight, 15 to 24. Do the coronavirus is terrible. I would not wish that on anyone. Yeah, but how many of these people are getting the virus who are not 18 to 24 from 18 to 24? That's the biggest issue. It's not about me. It's about we. And that's the attitude we have to have as a society. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. I just think that there is fear porn in the media going on. And it just drives me crazy. I'm not, I don't know what the correct answer was to cancel season, cancel not the season. I still don't know what the answer is. It is a extremely hard topic. Like if, 
the NCAA is in a, in a position, in my opinion, that they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Well, if it's their lack of leadership, which is part of the reason why we're in this situation in the first place. I think, well, here's the thing. I don't think it's a lack of leadership because in the spring, they decided to cancel all, fall, all spring championships, which is the right move because we did not know anything about the virus. We did not have that much information. As information has come out, it's clear to me that it is, even though that it clearly is not good, it's not as bad as we initially thought. I whoa, 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 whoa. If the NCAA was this great leadership organization, the Ivy League wouldn't have been the first conference to cancel. It would have been the NCAA canceling everybody all at once. Well, there. Well, all these big football conferences are basically their own their own thing. They basically, you know, have their own rules. They have their own guidelines. The NCAA is in a position where they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they decide to cancel the season, right? You're gonna have all these players which are are coming out being like, "Why'd you cancel the season? Why are you can't? Why are you canceling the season? Like this is bullshit. Like what's going on?" But if they don't cancel the season, you have all these college football writers being like, "You know what's gonna happen, right? You're gonna have more people. You you don't know what you're doing, right? You these." these student athletes are putting at risk, right? They're going to be like, Hey, you're, you clearly don't care about student athletes, right? You think that they're athletes. You want to keep them amateurs. It's a whole clusterfuck of a situation. Yeah. The, the one problem I have with the NCAA in this situation is they're kind of just sitting back and saying, Hey, play at your own risk. If you play, we're going to make money anyway. So whatever, go play if you want, not our problem. That's the issue I have. Do what is best for everybody whether that's playing or not playing. And in this situation, it's probably not playing. It's probably not playing. Um, it's, it's really tough to see. If I was it, – I don't even know what I would do right now if this was my senior season. It's a really, really tough situation. There clearly are ex- a lot of variables. There clearly are a lot of different opinions. Nobody can really agree on anything. It is extremely, extremely disappointing to hear, and it's probably the right decision. It just sucks to hear. Now, listen, I get it. If it's, if I'm a senior, like if I'm if like let's say let's say this season was Joe Burrow's senior season. Joe Burrow might be looking for a regular job right now, and not the first pick in the NFL draft. So I get it. And then and there's kids who use that senior year to get their NFL tape, right? And that's that senior year is what propels them to being millionaires and getting generational type wealth. So that yes, I do feel for that. But there's got to be a way to get them that year without putting them at risk right now. I think we just need more time. I think pushing it back to the spring is the right call. Now, I do think that, yeah, those guys who are going to be the NFL guys, they're not going to play. But for those guys that are seniors and need the extra film, they're going to play. Sign me up if I'm one of those guys to play in the spring. Yep. I, I don't necessarily know how that will work. Um, well, you we came can go, to the right place, go. my guy. You came to the right place. I mean, we can go into, you know, if there is a spring football season, I just have some issues with it, but don't – I? Oh, NCAA, yo, NCAA should hire me as a consultant. I got it covered, right? You do? Let me hear it. I, right, I'm, really, right. I'm really, really interested to hear this because I've been trying to wrap my brain around it, and I really don't know what the right answer is, how we can even have a spring football season. Now, listen, you can't play 12 games – in a spring and then expect people to turn around and play another 
another 12 games the following fall, assuming all is well, right? Mm-hmm. We I'm don't even you. know. Like, we, we, we don't even know. The reality of the situation is, like, like, this thing could go into spring of 21, the fall of 21, the spring of 22. Like, who knows? Like, we don't know. But I'm, I'm the optimistic one. So let's go with the optimistic outlook, right? I'm ready for it. I need some optimism. All right, here we go. So college football, you play spring football anyway, right? This, the spring football structure is 15 practices total when the spring game is one of those practices. So you'll typically hit full pads from, I'd say, anywhere from six to, to eight times in a in a spring probably honestly some teams even a little more because some coaches don't even care they're like you have all this time to heal up before the season which is honestly why you see a lot of injuries happen in spring football because they're going so hard but i would say you you do your best to mimic spring football and those full contact situations i talked about in practice, you just have to make them games instead. Maybe you have one or two in the training camp, but you just you save it for games in the spring. So let's say you have training camp in February. Let's say you hit two times, right? That's typically, honestly, in, in an NFL training camp, you know, you're not going to hit much more than that. Um, okay. So then you start your season in March, right? So you play four games in March, four games in April. Or honestly, let's go with seven games. Four, so everyone gets four home games, three away games. Because I think eight is a little too much. I think seven, perfect. Because seven full contact practices, you probably have around then, if not a little bit less in a spring, right? Yep. I'm with you. So you have seven full contact practices, right? So you just have seven regular season games, and that doesn't include the, the championship games or the bowl games. So would, you, so would they even be bowl games, or like what, what would happen? No, I don't think you have bowl games. I think you just play in your conference. So it would just be – you wouldn't even have a national title because if some teams play during the fall, they would be technically the national title. But in the spring, they would just be the Big Ten champion. Yes, I think that's what you do. You do a regular season type champion. If you want to add an extra game, I think that is that should be up to your players. Okay. Uh, but I'd say you mimic spring football. So, so you have – out of those 15 practices, six to seven of them are going to be full padded practices, right? Maybe a mm-hmm. little less so that you mimic with the seven games. And you have that training camp period where you don't really hit in February. And then you start in March. You play all March. You play April. And then you have May, June, July until you get ready for August the following year. Now, this is assuming everything is back to normal because we all know it might not be. So, so do you think that they would, if, if this goes to plan, right? Obviously, you know, there's a blood ton of variables. We don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the future. But if this goes to plan, right? If they contact Alex Schoen and be like, hey, give me the outline for spring football season. That's right. Hire me. Here you go, shown for hire, right? So we do that. Then you're saying that we start up a normal season in 2021 again? Yes, you can do that. Or you could do a little bit of a delayed season to give them a little bit more time. So there's this layoff period in December with college football. Like, So you play September, October, November, typically with the bye week. Um, I wish I had two bye weeks my freshman year at Syracuse, which was interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But we, we, we would start the season back then, like the last week of August. 
Uh, we played gotcha. we played Penn State in uh, in MetLife Stadium. It was awesome. Um, but um, so yeah, you go from September to November typically, and then you have the conference championship games in that first week of December, and then there's like a three week layoff for bowl games for the playoff teams. It's maybe sometimes even a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that layoff period probably you know it's great for it is great for uh, recovery. And it's great for developing your freshmen and your sophomores and your red shirts. And then there's the flip side of that to where it absolutely sucks because you have 15 bowl practices. It's basically like a mini spring ball, those first seven practices for the young guys, like they're, they're, and the, even for the number two guys, cause they're like, you're, you're going full tilt. You're like, you're doing a little bit of hitting. It's, it's like, it's, it sucks. Like, I'm sure if you took that period and that layoff away from some of the players, they would not be complaining at all. I'm with you. No, I, that makes a lot of sense. So. Yeah, so you take away that layoff, right? Sorry, you take away that layoff and you just play till the middle of December. You, okay. start, you start later and you play till the middle of December. Would you still have 12 games or it would be almost like 10 in conference games, kind of what the SEC is doing what the Big Ten was allegedly supposed to do? Um, I think you go to a conference-only schedule if the state of the virus is not better, but I think it's a regular schedule if the state of the virus is better. Okay. I mean, I could see that happening. I think that's probably the best blueprint to even try to do a spring season. My big issue with the spring season, especially at a school like Rutgers, is that all these teams are in the same practice facility. So you got you got men's football. You obviously got football. Then in the football in the facility, you have men's and women's lacrosse. You have men's and women's soccer. Right during the virus. Right. I know that you know we can have differing opinions of that, but if we want to limit the spread, we got to limit the people inside the Hale Center. So. Would you say that we could potentially just see football happen and have lacrosse put to the wayside due to the fact that they make no money? Uh, no, I, there will be spring sports, in my opinion, if the state of the virus is better. Um, but, you, but you know what I'm saying, though. Try to limit the number of people, though, because you can't really have 100 football players, 50 men's lacrosse players, 30 women's lacrosse players, 30 men's soccer players, 30 women's soccer players in the same place. That's just kind of dumb, plus all the coaches. Yes, I, I agree, but th- they would figure at, figure it out because at the end of the day, in college athletics, every sport is all year round, right? So you have similar mm-hmm. type problems during the year anyway, right? Yep. Now you don't have the type of problems where it's like we don't want this many people here, and this, you know, like we have to limit the number of people in a building. But um, for Rutgers specifically, you know, they got some new facilities. Um, I, I do not see that being an issue. I could see that being an issue at other schools where they don't have the facilities, but at the end of the day, they can still make it happen considering every sport is all year round and they have similar problems normally. So they will make that happen. Now from the financial aspect, if things are not better, right, Mm -hmm. it might not be worth the risk for these players. So that would make sense, right? That would make complete sense. I think that another thing is that it, to me, it just seems like everybody would want to play uh, their sport at some, po- some point this year. So I don't necessarily think that we have to worry about the players necessarily wanting to play. I think it's just more keeping them safe and not, you know, having them contract the virus. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, think, I think baseball will have a season. I think Rutgers lacrosse will have a season in which they are very good. And I think um, – Women's soccer will potentially, and men's and women's soccer will potentially play in the spring because um, they normally have a spring season anyway, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's, their season is similar to the spring football model in the spring. So 
I would say that there will be seasons. Will they be the same type of season we are, we are usually accustomed to seeing? I do not think so because of the times, but there will be some sort of season, in my opinion, if the state of the virus is better. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. Um, again, I just feel really, really bad for these student athletes. I just, it just shows that, you know, all these kids really, really care about their sport and they really, really want to play. Um, no matter what people tell them, they really, really want to play their sport because they actually like playing it. And, you know, it just really sucks to see. Absolutely. For the love of the game. That's, it's like, it absolutely sucks. And now listen, I know, listen, this is a Rutgers show. We're pro Rutgers, but it's, it's disappointing to see the amount of people that tested positive for this virus on Rutgers campus, considering that it's a school and a state that has handled things so well through everything, right? With how hard we were hit in the New York metropolitan area. So that goes to show you how quick this thing can spread, right? A couple of weeks ago, we're talking about how Rutgers is doing everything right, right? And a couple bad decisions by some people can make that go that virus number go from zero to a lot. Yeah, it, it sucks. Um, this whole situation sucks. Um, I'm clearly really bummed out. Um, it just, it just is a really, really bad time for the Big Ten. Really stinks for Rutgers, but you yeah. Know, but hey, bro, we, we got can only some, look up. Uh, we can only look up. Hey, bro, we got something to cheer you up. Uh, Big Ten Network had that special on Shiano uh, returning, so I'm gonna watch that, and uh, we should, uh, we should have a show where we talk about that next or uh, in a couple weeks, whenever that is, when we get back together. Hundred percent. You know, we got to watch it. You know, break down what he means to Rockers. I know we've talked about it before, but we need a really more in depth look so we can talk about it. Right. And for for those of you guys listening, um, we haven't done a good job of getting you guys involved in our show. So please email believeinru at gmail dot com to uh, ask us questions. We'll we'll uh, highlight you in the middle of the show and we'll answer your questions. So B L E A V. I-N-R-U at gmail.com, B-L-E-A-V-I-N-R-U at gmail.com. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, you made it to the end, or I'm just talking to myself and Ryan. You stay classy, Piscataway. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.